I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm here talking to Annie. As a general disclaimer, we've been friends for so long, we're essentially post-verbal, so we're talking it out for you. Today, I am talking about Vasily Arkhipov, the man who saved the world. I'm going to be talking about America's favorite girl boss, Elizabeth Holmes. Today's only content warning is for Russia. Sources are in the show notes. Everything's alleged, but this is certainly tell no one. Right. All right. <clears throat> Vasily Arkhipov is born in 1926 in a peasant town near Moscow. Russia. Russia. We're talking about Russia. He goes to naval school. He participates in the Soviet-Japanese War in 45, which is a war that took place. Um, he participates. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> he takes part. Uh, he graduates. He goes. He, so he does that in the middle of school, and he goes back to school and finishes up. Nice. Graduates in 47, and he's in the Navy. That's his life, right? Uh-huh. In 61, so he's in his like early 30s, he's involved in the K-19 incident, which is... And a thing that took place on a Russian submarine. Yeah. He was executive officer of that submarine. Okay. They were doing exercises off of Greenland. Okay. The submarine develops an extreme leak. That sounds bad. It's in the reactor coolant system. Uh Uh-oh. So led to the failure of the cooling system. Um, Radio communications are also affected and the crew are unable to contact Moscow. Um, basically, the coolant system leaking means that the nuclear reactor that they have on board is in danger of meltdown. Is like Chernobyl underwater. Hell. Yeah. Yep. Hell. Hell. Scary. Hell. Yeah. So they have no communication and no backup system. So they have to like come up with their own, like our own solution. Like truly like problem solve. Yeah. Under pressure. Yeah. Um, Name a time when you were able to solve a problem pressure <laughs> literally like when i did my taxes this year that felt like a lot of pressure right right um good good fodder for his future job interviews 100 and it will come in handy <laughs> um so they fucking somehow come up with a plan where but it requires them to work up close and personal with in high radiation levels for extended periods oh er. They come up with a secondary coolant system and are able to, to prevent nuclear, like, or reactor meltdown. Fucking how? They jerry-rig a repair. Bitch, Fuck. if I fucking knew, I'd be in the goddamn Navy in a sub. Right, 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 of course. Um, but the entire crew are fucking affected by this radiation, and all members of the engineer crew, who I think worked most immediately in that area during that time, yeah. died within a month of this incident. Uh- and within another year or two, another 15 of the men on board died. Um. Yeah. Um, Vasily doesn't die for a long time. He di- <laughs> it takes him like 30, 40 years for it to catch up to him. Yeah. But he will die from kidney disease related to this event. Mm-hmm. Complications from fucking with a nuclear reactor. Um, right. So his wife calls him very shy and modest person, intelligent and very polite and soft-spoken. Cute. I know his character was very calm and kind. He was a real human being and he was so hot. She said that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was me, but, (laughs) but I want you to know that he was hot. Yeah. His wife calls him so hot. (laughs) Mm. Olga would literally never. (laughs) Um, so this time in the world, I'm going to explain the cold war to you just a little. Okay. Russia can't stand us. 
We don't like them, but they fucking hate our asses. I know. Like, what's the Let's fucking deal? What's the deal? It's <laughs> like communism. Deal. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, I know. She's kidding. She knows more than me about the Cold War. Kinda. I mean, maybe. <laughs> A little. Um, so, I take you to the fall of 62. So, here's the thing. The U.S. had recently placed missiles, like nuclear missiles, in Turkey mm-hmm. and in Italy and, like, a few other places. And wherever we felt wherever like Wherever we want. Oh, my God. Um, and the big deal about that is that we're all in a nuclear arms race, right? Like, us in Russia, us in the Soviet Union, we're all like, I have nuclear weapons, bitch. Right. So, what if I fired on you? And I know how to what use them. We, what if you and I... <laughs> what if we kissed? What if we fired on each other? <laughs> um, so the but like the issue with that is like we're just so far apart, like fucking geographically, right. it is hard to be threatening when you're like, bitch, you couldn't reach me, right? But the big deal is that now we have missiles in Turkey, which borders the Soviet Union. Yeah, she knows this. I explained still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the Soviet Union is like, well, then we'll even things out, right? Right. So they're like, we're gonna put our missiles in cuba mm-hmm. which is 80 miles from florida mm-hmm. so if they fired a fucking nuclear missile from cuba mm-hmm. it could wipe out most of the eastern united states in a matter of minutes it's lights out for us unfortunately it's lights out for us <laughs> and like cuba is a communist ally cuba fuck it does not fuck with us either so they're like we're all in right like come come over come over fine and like the soviet union agrees to like protect cuba should we act a little crazy should, should the us act up, act up? <laughs> we'll protect you so i guess the soviet union underestimated how severe the u.s reaction would be to this event they should not have under like come on we're gonna <laughs> freak like, out it is like goofy of them to be like when, and i think they'll be fine with this when someone does something that we've been doing we were like, are you kidding? We are like, well, then that's an act of war. Right. Like, only we, only daddy can. Yeah. Unfortunately. For big, for big boys. But we become aware of the fact that they have been secretly building these fucking missile sites in Cuba. Yeah. And the big deal is that they've been doing it in secret, right? Right. But our intelligence, our minds. <laughs> our minds. Uh, the intelligence gathering is like, it's happening, Kennedy. Oh, John F. Kennedy. Oh, no. <laughs> so, but Kennedy is like, well, I need proof. Before I need proof. I, before I can do anything. <laughs> you, you set me up again for another impression. <laughs> I did not set you up. I mentioned Kennedy. You're bringing it to me. And I'm going to bring it. I need proof. I mentioned Kennedy. <laughs> I did not put you up to it. <laughs> You come to all me. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, you come to me talking about the Cold War. <laughs> and expect me to not do a Kennedy impression? <laughs> all right. So October 14th, we get the evidence for him. An American spy plane flying over Cuba photographs the missile sites under construction. So we're like, they're building them, honey. Mm-hmm. Take action. So um, Kennedy just decides not to attack Cuba directly, but he opts for a blockade around Cuba, um, preventing any other Soviet ships from entering Cuba, right? So he's like, if you got in under my nose, good on ya, but no more. Mm-hmm. But now daddy's watching. He's watching. Nope. That was no. British. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> no. That one didn't feel right. <laughs> blockade. 
Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I do just get louder. Okay, go on. You do just get a little loud at the end. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, this next part is from private White House conversations that someone was secretly taping. They only came out in 2012. Hmm. So from a top-level meeting on October 16th, so we had known about these missile sites for two days. Mm. Um, and MRBMs, by the way, are medium-range ballistic missiles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Kennedy wonders why Soviet Union is doing this. Why is Soviet Union do this? <laughs> Did I forget that? <laughs> All right. He goes, what is the advantage of that? It's just as if we suddenly began to put a major number of MRBMs in Turkey. Now, that would be goddamn dangerous, I think. Oh, honey. So his security advisor says, but we did, Mr. President. Oh, my God. I forgot. He goes, I'm on meth, literally. Oh, fuck. <laughs> he goes, yeah, but that was five years ago. So here's the thing. We had announced in 57, before Kennedy was our fucking president, yeah. we'd announced that we are going to put missiles in Turkey. Okay, crazy. Which is, I mean, I don't... Uh, crazy move. Wild move. But mm-hmm. we were like, hey, folks, like, just so everyone's aware, we're doing that. Mm-hmm. But we didn't until 61, 62. So to Kennedy, he's like, but that was five years ago when we said we were going to do that. Mm-hmm. What does it matter? But to the Soviet Union, they're like, yeah, but a day ago you did it. Like, so this now is fresh it's fucking to us. us. Yeah. Right, right. Old hat for us, new to them. New hat for them? New hat for them. There's also some stuff about, like, we also had nuclear weapons in Japan aimed at China, just in case, apparently. So his security advisor is also, like, telling him that the Soviet premier, Nikita Khrushchev, they're saying that he honestly believes, or at least affects to believe, that we have nuclear weapons in Japan. And then they go, they may mean Okinawa. So they're like, they might know about it. They might mean like where it is. They might mean the <laughs> island where we put them. <laughs> so uh, we did, in fact, we were using that little island uh, to store weapons in Japan to use against communist countries. Uh, but that was a secret. And we're mad. They found that out. Anyway, October 22nd, he holds Kennedy holds a press conference and reveals all this shit to the public. Okay. The speech is called a shocking escalation of the nuclear arms race. So um, he's making public what has been happening in private, right? Mm-hmm. Between, crazy the, between move. these countries. That must have been crazy to hear. That must have been so fucking scary as like a citizen to hear. Yeah. Oi. And your dad was just a baby. <laughs> you gotta stop. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing. <laughs> and your like- grandma had a newborn. <laughs> like, like it makes me kick my feet. <laughs> my favorite thing all right in this speech he's like basically explaining nuclear weapons are so destructive and ballistic missiles are so swift that any increased possibility of their use or any sudden change in their deployment may be regarded as a definite threat to peace so he's saying like be afraid yep this is bad he's saying like this is really scary and it should be scary so if we act if we do something in return just know we had to it's just like we're everyone's super tense like more tense than they would be any other weapons like one because one means little move the world we yeah you're right like it it is moment to moment if at any second either country decides to fire yeah we're the world is fucking decimated and it also like raises the suspicions like ra- like heightens the stakes of like yeah. are they doing something like yeah wait should we do something mm-hmm. are they doing something the distrust the, the like international distrust is like i you like couldn't believe it today yeah and i distrust today right and still 
So he's also saying, like, just so you know, we have never transferred um, missiles to a territory of any other nation under the cloak of secrecy and deception. So he's like, we did move missiles into Turkey, but we told them. Yeah, not the under issue the cloak here of secrecy. And deception. And deception, of course. Then obviously he's like, Soviets, remove the missiles from Cuba or fuck around and find out. Unfortunately, it is on. Unfortunately, it is on. <laughs> it is on. I know, do it. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is on. <laughs> yeah! Woo! So we're teetering on the brink of nuclear war, World War Three, but like you've never seen it before. It's like lights out. It's toast. It's Completely. done. You're right. Bye. So for the next uh, two weeks, the world holds its fucking breath. But what we were not aware of at the time of that fucking press conference mm-hmm. is that the Soviet Union had already sent a group of nuclear armed submarines to Cuba and they're on their way. They left October 1st. So they left on this mission before we even knew they were building missiles in Cuba. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's not like we, the public, don't know. It's like we, we no, don't know. The president didn't get the confirmation photos till oh, October shit. 14th. So this submarine head was two weeks in the making by the time he even saw the photos. Uh-oh. Vas- Vas- nope. Vasily Arkhipov is on one of them, right? Of course he is. Our man. Vaseline. Of the Long Island Vaseline. <laughs> Okay, Vasily Arkhipov is on one of these submarines. They are a group of four, right? Okay. A group of them is called a flotilla. Okay. Say it in an accent. Flotilla. Which, which kind? Oh. <laughs> flotilla. No. Nope, just deep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this is a flotilla of four submarines. They're on a secret mission. Uh-huh. They are the flagship su- submarine, B-59, and a few sister ships. Nice. Um, at the time they leave for the mission, the truth of where they're headed and what they're doing is known only to a handful of Communist Party officials. Okay. So the crews on these ships don't know where the fuck they're going or what they're doing. Nobody does? I think, like, maybe the captain might know. Like, one person. But, like, the by and large, they don't know what the fuck their, their mission is here. Okay. So... Vasily is the chief of staff of the entire flotilla. So he's not in charge of any one. He's not the the commander of any one submarine, but he's the chief of staff of the entire group, right? Okay. The entire flotilla. Sorry, flotilla. So each submarine has been given an envelope that is to be opened only when they're out at sea. (laughs) And this information will reveal to them the course of their journey and the timetable for their journey. What they find out while they're in the water is that they are going to travel 7,000 miles from the top secret naval base in the Arctic Circle from which they are leaving. Um, They're going to travel 7,000 miles across the Atlantic to Cuba, where they will stay and serve as a vanguard of a Soviet force a mere 90 miles from mainland America. Oh, God. Hearing it is just hard. Oh, it's scary. So each of the four submarines are equipped with a nuclear missile that could cause Hiroshima-level damage. Uh-oh. 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 Each submarine has two main guys in charge, the captain and the political officer. Each submarine has a written order that um, should anything happen, should they feel like they're under attack at all for any reason, uh-huh. and particularly if they're cut off from communication with Moscow, if both the captain and the political officer agree that they should launch their fucking missile and start World War Three, they have a written order to do that. That's wacky. But they both have to agree. I am your grandma. I am your grandma. Huh. My baby will have a baby and you will call her mom. In fact, each, the captain and the um 
political officer each have half of a key that when put mm-hmm. together will unlock the firing mechanism on the fucking nuclear missile oh i thought you were gonna say something unlock sweet. lifelong friendship <laughs> <laughs> um but on one of the submarines on the main one b-59 the launch of their missile requires three approvals it's the biggest and it is like the main one the flagship one this is vasily arkhipov's submarine in order to launch that missile on that one, both the captain and political officer have to agree, and Vasily Arkhipov has to agree, because while, well, again, he's only, like, second in command of this vessel, he's chief of staff of, again, the, the entire flotilla. flotilla. Got it. So he has to give his okay as well if they want to launch the one on B-59. Okay. None of the crew know they're carrying a nuclear torpedo. Need to know bases. Conditions inside the submarine B-59. Not good. I, would I bring it up if they were good? Mm. This submarine is designed for use in the Arctic. So here in the Atlantic... We're sweltering. They're fucking sweltering, Kendall. Got it. Serious overheating problems. Um, it is like 120 degrees higher in the engine area. <gasps> Carbon dioxide is like making them loopy. <laughs> right. They all have headaches from... They also like are given orders at some point in their mission when they're still in contact with Moscow to actually stop going to Cuba and just kind of hover in the Caribbean for a while. Oh. So while they're hovering there, they have to drop really deep into like deeper water uh-huh. to avoid being found by us. Right. So they're really deep underwater. They all have fucking headaches because apparently that like, gives so you deep. a headache. Yeah. The pressure. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. They're At this point now, they're cut off from communication from Moscow. They've just been in the Caribbean floating deep down there forever. And like crying and sweating and shitting and pissing. <laughs> Literally. And like, it's hard to breathe in here. Yeah. Overpopulated. The rations are cut. They're all drinking one glass of water a day in this heat. People are fainting. They're forcing us to do Bikram yoga down here. <laughs> <laughs> if I stretch in the morning, I'm doing Bikram. Like, fuck it. <laughs> And one diary entry from a crew member says that the situation is very serious. The men are worse, like getting worse and worse. Um, many have swollen feet. We can't sleep in this heat. Yeah. So we're fucking exhausted all day and we're very weak. We're covered in rashes. Oh, shit. Like our skin. Doy. <laughs> <laughs> like our like skin. And he's also like, and you would hope the commander would keep it together, but he is not. Oh, he's not. <laughs> he is fraying around the edge. Oh, he Oh, he is. Oh, he's fraying. Oh. Um, October 27th, right? Yeah. We're in international waters. Okay. We're in the fucking Caribbean, I think. Okay. The U.S. task force of destroyers and patrol aircraft spot B-59. Uh-huh. Gotcha, bitch. Uh-oh. They need to force it to the surface. That's like what you do, I guess. You like, if you spot an enemy submarine, you are like, brother, gotcha. Come through. Can we talk? Jig is up. And then they're going to, like, turn you around and send you home. They're right. Like, you can't enter Cuba. Right. So. You um, know that. And you fucking, I think you know that. <laughs> so what they do is they try to hunt them to exhaustion, meaning, like, they try to, like, torture the submarine, the crew members in there a little bit with, like, sound attacks. Oh, God. And, and shit like that to just make them be like, fine, I'll come up and I'll state my purpose then i'll go home right but then that doesn't work at first so we drop these things called depth charges which are like little grenade sized explosives okay and they're meant to be just like signaling hey we see you come up right right right. but um the russians are used to their signaling system for submarines is like 
um, if they drop three of these little explosives, yeah. that means, hey, brother, we see you. Yeah. But what they do not know is that because they've been cut off from Moscow for like a week at this point, what yeah. they don't know is that three days ago, the U.S. sent to the Soviet Union a document detailing our signaling system, mm-hmm. which says that we will drop five on you. Oh. And that will mean, hey, come up. Right. But they, again, they don't know that. Oh, so <laughs> they have no idea that these are, are signaling to them. Right. They think they might be under attack. Uh-oh. There's also the fact that, like, we dropped eventually because they, they weren't reacting to them. Yeah. We eventually dropped, like, 10 on them. Right. Like, hello. Yeah. We're like, fucker. Hello. Are you any, anyone home? Yeah. So here's the deal. Like, Kennedy was really freaked out about the use of these. Like, when... His defense secretary told him that we were dropping these grenade-sized signals over submarines, over Soviet submarines. He, the president, winced, and then Attorney General Robert Kennedy, the fucking man, <laughs> you're bringing it to me again. <laughs> he described it as the time of greatest worry for the president. Greatest worry. Don't do this. <laughs> he says that when he was told that we were we were doing this, that we were going to be alerting Soviet submarines that we see them by potentially kind of attacking them a little bit. He says that his hand went up to his face and he closed his fist. So he was like, fuck, this is a dangerous game. Um, so, cause like the explosions, I know they're little, but they're like rocking and shaking the submarine. Right. They're very like, hi. And they're also whacked out. And the people, <laughs> they don't know the people in the submarine are whacked out. Yeah. And the su- people in the submarine, they don't know. They haven't had contact with the outside world for like so long. And the world is in such a like moment to moment, like state that they literally think that we might not only do they think that they're being attacked. Oh fuck. I better start world war three and, and do my missile. They think. <laughs> Oh, it's already started up there. Right. Like, I'm hearing shit. I'm being rocked around. And Kennedy was right to be worried because they do, in fact, not know what these signals mean. Right. And they think that they're being attacked. They think that the war the war has begun above water. The war has begun. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> so they think, oh, fuck, the whole world is, it's World War Three up there. We've just been out of incommunicado for so long. We have no idea. Yeah, we're so we better fucking fire back. far under the water. Yeah. So the captain, Valentin Savitsky, he wants to launch the missile. He says, we're going to blast them now. We will die, but we will sink them all. We will not become the shame of the fleet. Everyone's standing there like, wait, what? Wait, (laughs) what do you say? I'm sweating buckets. (laughs) Can you say that again? (laughs) And like, again, he's just so worried about being literally embarrassed that he's going to start World War III. That's what the whole Cold World's about. I know, but I can't, as a woman, I can't believe it. You know Uh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like his actual pride is like, oh my God, you started a war. Yeah. So he gives the order to ready the missile. His second in command, the political officer, Ivan Semenovich Meslenikov. (laughs) He gives his consent too. So he's like, absolutely. But... Vasily Arkhipov refuses to consent. He's saying, no, we should not fire on them. Let's take a minute. Hey, boys, your eyes are looking crazy right now. Can you take a little nap? (laughs) So they fucking argue. Um, Vasily is attempting to convince them that these are, in fact, little warnings meant to warn them and tell them to surface. Yeah. But the other two are, again, so afraid of being the shame of the Navy that they're like, in the rare event that we might be under attack if we didn't fire back that would be embarrassing yeah, like, so let's nuke them yeah well we would have choked you know what I yeah, mean? yeah yeah 
So it's two against one. So it's not like looking great, but Vasily. Yep. Vaseline. (laughs) (laughs) He does have on his side that he has been in the K-19 incident. Uh And his reputation because of that is he's known for his courageous conduct. Right. So like you can't say that he's acting out of cowardice because he's known to be fucking brave. Right. Um, so again, he this goes on for like four or five hours, this fucking argument. Oh my God. Finger on the goddamn button. Damn. But he argues that this is not an attack. We are not in danger. There, we are being asked to surface. Get yourself together, man. <laughs> what is to surface? He's the only one of them who is level-headed right now enough to even notice that the, the, the explosives are being dropped Left and then right, but always off target. Yeah, like in a pattern, like a hello. Yeah, he's like, those are signals. He says that they say, we know you're there. Identify yourselves. Yeah. And then, um, by the way, like the whole crew can't tell what's going on above them or like in the world. Uh-huh. All they, the last that they were able to hear from any radio. So they lost contact with Moscow forever ago. Yeah. But they had been able to up until now pick up some American radio. Mm-hmm. And the last thing they heard in American radio was that Cuba had shot down a U.S. spy plane and that Kennedy found out about their missiles on Cuba. So they're so like, they're the like up. it fucking doesn't sound good up there. It's I, on. I could very easily believe that like the war has started up there. Right. Like, it's not crazy to think that, yeah. Like, the last thing they heard was Kennedy saying, you motherfuckers, we saw, we see you. Right. You know? Right. And then, um, but Vasily is able to convince the men to surface. He was right. The submarine surfaced and they were met by a U.S. destroyer. The U.S. did not board the vessel. They did not do any inspections. They just told them to, like, fucking turn around and go away from Cuba. Like, have you... Did you guys see all we've been doing? What? They're like, they can't breathe. They're all blue in the face. Like, we've been trying. <laughs> we've been trying. We've been talking to you for hours. <laughs> so they head back to fucking cute to Russia. Sorry, not Cuba. Bye. Um, upon return to Russia, they are faced with disgrace from their superiors. <sighs> One admiral tells them it would have been better if you had just gone down with your ship. Like, did you want me to start the world war to end the world? <laughs> well, here's the deal. Like, kind of, because they were so mad that they were discovered by the Americans. Because their their mission was like, do not be fucking discovered. Get there secretly. Do you know how big a submarine is? Baby, we're a submarine. Nowhere to hide in the big baby blue. And you, <laughs> and you had me. Ass out. Showing my ass. <laughs> just just sit, it's sitting duck in the Caribbean. So yeah, I got spotted by an, over- <laughs> by, by an aircraft. Four of us. A sitting whole ducks. flotilla. The sitting flotilla, ducks. sitting ducks. Come on. Um, their superiors are like smashing things in fury. They're like, you are just disgusting. All right, Russians. But anyway, so he's like, keeps serving in the Navy. He's eventually promoted to Admiral. He has a good life. He and his wife are married forever. And Cute. they have a daughter named Elena. But this event, like him talking them down from nuclear war, yeah. was not revealed to anybody until after his death. For how it looked on the outside... No one knew that he was a goddamn hero. Yeah, like just a guy. Yeah. So in 2002, as after he has died, um, retired commander Vadim Pavlovich Orlov holds a press conference revealing for the first time that the submarines had been armed with nuclear torpedoes and that Arkhipov was the reason those had not been fired. That same year, Robert McNamara, who was a U.S. Secretary of Defense at the time of the missile crisis, acknowledged the same event saying that we came very close to nuclear war closer than we knew at the time. Yeah. 
Um, Arthur Schlesinger Jr., an advisor for JFK for his administration and a now historian, continued saying that like this fucking moment in this fucking submarine was not only the most dangerous moment of the Cold War, it was oh. the most dangerous moment in human history. Holy shit. I know. In 2017, he was posthumously awarded the first Future of Life Award, which is like presented by the Future of Life Institute, which is like Elon Musk, Mm. all those types. The award recognizes exceptional measures often performed despite personal risk and without obvious reward to safeguard the collective future of humanity. Mm. I know. Um, author Edward Wilson has written the decision not to start World War III was not taken in the Kremlin or the White House, but in the sweltering control room of a submarine. And three years after his death, director of the American Research and Archival Institution Tom Blanton, while commenting on this whole thing with Arkhipov, said, a man named Vasily Arkhipov saved the world. And then lastly, his daughter, um, Elena, has said, um, we must strive so that the powerful people around the world learn from Vasily's example. Everybody with power and influence should act within their competence for world peace. You hear that, everybody? Hey, folks. Let's all just sing a song. <laughs> Let's all sing Imagine. Let's. What if we just Not stopped, again. What if we just stopped what we're doing? We just sing Imagine. What if I had Del. been Putin's mother? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pissed that you brought that up. <laughs> if I had been your mother... You would have felt so loved. Can you believe? Bitch. That made me want to go like, You okay. would have felt so... By the way, blaming a woman for Putin. Classic. Bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about my favorite girl boss, <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes, and her company, Theranos. So I'm going to start off by saying I do not relish in making fun of people's looks, but will allow two exceptions in this case. <laughs> Her voice and her hair, because both are not natural to her. Okay, sure. Let me show you. Yeah, if it's something they, like, chose. (laughs) They chose. (laughs) Okay. So, you can't, like, live your life without kind of knowing who she is. Tangentially, at least. Okay, so this is her hair. And that's a good picture. And this is her voice. For those at home, you probably know what her voice is. And if not, you have to go find out. Every time you create something new, there should be questions. And to me, that's a sign that you've actually done something that uh, is transformative. Okay, so that's what we're working with I'll here. I'll be frank. She sounds like Romy and Michelle. Oh, okay. So Elizabeth Holmes was born February 3rd, 1984 in Washington, D.C. Her father, Christian Rasmus Holmes, was a vice president at Enron, an energy company that later went bankrupt after an accounting fraud scandal. Her mother, Noelle Ann, worked as a congressional committee staffer. Her father later held executive positions in government agencies such as um, the EPA, USTDA. Her dad's second great-grandfather, Charles Louis Fleischmann, was a Hungarian Jewish immigrant who founded Fleischmann's Yeast. Among Charles Louis Fleischmann's children was was Julius Fleischmann, the mayor of Cincinnati from 1900 to 1905, and an entrepreneur. So for a lot of my information, I listen to a lot of different things. So when I talk about interviews of people, it's either from the Inventor documentary on HBO or the Dropout podcast. And someone who knew her family growing up described them as very self-important and that they yearned for the days of yore when their family was one of the richest in America. And they told a story about how she was a child 
and they when well, she was like nine years old and they asked what do you want to be when you grow up and she said i want to be a billionaire does she want to be a billionaire become one yeah and they're like you don't want to be president she's like the president's gonna want to marry me because i'm gonna be a billionaire uh, okay well what kind of fucking messaging is she getting at home um well she's gonna get a lot of messaging that she can do whatever the fuck she wants even if she can't physically do it (laughs) um so she attended saint john's school in houston during high school she was interested in computer programming and says she started her first business um selling some computer shit to chinese universities her parents arranged chinese lessons at home and partway through high school she began attending stanford university's summer mandarin program In 2002, she attends Stanford, where she studied chemical engineering and worked as a student, researcher, and laboratory assistant in the School of Engineering. Okay. At the end of her freshman year, she worked in a lab at the Genome Institute of Singapore and tested for the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus through the collection of blood samples with syringes. What year are we talking? 2002. Wow. So she, corona was on her radar. Corona? Yeah. There's just multiple iterations of it. So Phyllis Gardner. What the fuck goes wrong? Because she sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Phyllis Gardner is a Stanford professor of medicine. And Elizabeth is a student there. And she comes to Phyllis with her idea. A patch that could sample the blood. You like put it on, Mm -hmm. sample it for an infection, and then deliver antibiotics through the patch. Phyllis Gardner tells her. Sounds like magic. Phyllis Gardner tells her it is physically impossible to do that. She says, Elizabeth, that's fun, but I don't think that's going to work. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of like hems and haws. And she's like, look, I can't help you. Like, you're not listening to me. That's physically impossible. You can't like store antibiotics in a patch. Like, there's so many reasons that that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) I would be worried like, oh, you don't seem to be grasping the basics of what I'm teaching you in terms of like, like what is medically possible or how things work. That's the thing is she's like, you are not a doctor and like i'm a doctor right right (laughs) and i'm telling you that's not possible and you're 19 right so she filed her first patent application for this drug delivery patch in 2003 it doesn't exist no she just drew like pictures of it in march 2004 she drops out of stanford school of engineering and used her tuition money as seed funding for a consumer healthcare technology company which she named theranos which is a portmanteau of therapy and diagnosis So basically, she moves away from the patch thing, and she wants to eliminate the need for vials and vials of blood for testing purposes. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you get a blood panel done, they have to take vials and vials and vials. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. (laughs) It's uncomfortable, it's expensive, and it takes a lot of blood, and it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So she wants to just take a prick from your finger and be able to run all these tests just from a drop of blood. Okay, and they call, you've probably seen the picture of her like holding that little thing. I think, yeah. That's called the nanotainer. And okay. she's interviewed a lot and she's saying giving blood is the only thing in my life that I've ever been scared of. Currently, the like the blood testing market is dominated by two large corporations. The prices are high and like that's really the only option there is. Mm-hmm. If there were like medical knowledge to back that up, that would sound like a good idea to me. <laughs> that's the whole thing. So she names this device that is supposedly supposed to run the tests. It's like the size of a desktop printer. Okay. And you like put in the vial and it runs like all the, the blood tests off of one drop of blood. She calls it the Edison because she fancies herself an inventor. An inventor. 
She was also an admirer of Apple founder Steve Jobs and deliberately copied his style. <laughs> style. Dressing only in black turtleneck sweaters, <laughs> as Jobs did. Her mom says that she dressed her in black turtlenecks when she was young, but an employee at Theranos says that he gave her the idea back in 2007 to do that. During most of her public appearances, she speaks in a deep baritone voice, although former colleagues later claimed he heard her speak in a more typical voice. But her family maintains that that is her natural voice. Why are they protecting her like that? Her family? Yeah. I have no idea. Trying to make her look not that dumb. Not that crazy. Like, not that, like, putting on a voice. Yeah. Because she is doing that. (laughs) I wonder what... Is it that part that she wants to sound more masculine people, to be respected? Or yeah, people think it's like it'll help her like convince people, like sure. so she's not in a high pitched voice within like meetings. And like, what a commitment! Right? People are like, sometimes one time at a work party, she got a little too lit and let it drop. <laughs> um. So Channing Robertson was the head of the Stanford Science Department when she was in college, and she went to him with her idea, just like she had gone to Phyllis. And he leaves his tenured position at Stanford to go work for her. What? Why? I don't know. A lot of old men believe anything she tells them. Oh, fuck. Yes. Does she get to run a years-long scheme because men are afraid to, like, tell her she's dumb? That's a way you could say it. There's a lot of... No one knows what why she did what she no did. No one knows why men do what they do. Right. So by December 2004, she had raised $6 million to fund her company. By the end of 2010, Theranos had more than $92 million in venture capital. In July 2011, Elizabeth was introduced to former Secretary of State and former Secretary of Treasury, George Schultz. He was both of those things. After a two-hour meeting, he joined Theranos' board of directors. What the fuck was she doing in the meetings? Was she like talking like this yeah, and not blinking? She was recognized for forming, quote, the most illustrious board in the United States corporate history over the next three years. Are you kidding? Her first major... For a crackpot invention? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) That's why this is so crazy! Her first major investor was Tim Draper, a Silicon Valley venture capitalist and father of her childhood friend, Jesse Draper, who cut Holmes a check for a million dollars. And here's a little nepotism side note. Jesse Draper, her childhood bff is cousins with nat wolf and alex wolf from the (laughs) naked brothers band the show that was created by their mother polly draper the brother of tim draper you might know alex wolf from hereditary did you have a crush on them when you were a kid no fuck no they creeped me out why were they naked (laughs) were they naked yeah the naked brothers band wait but were they literally naked yeah oh i think they were blurred but the story is that they like wanted to start a show and so their mom who was a bajillionaire, just started them a show. I I mean, I never really thought about Elizabeth Holmes that much, but like the fact that she was from that kind of circle, you're annoying. Couldn't have, (laughs) couldn't have happened without it. Right. Like her, she met with like one of the richest venture capitalists ever because it's her childhood friend's dad. Like why does she have access to him? Yeah. Yeah. Who like introduced her to George Schultz, who introduced her to all these other people. Mm -hmm. So these major investors expanded to include Rupert Murdoch, the Walton family of Walmart, Betsy DeVos, the Cox family of Cox Enterprises. Each of these investors gave her hundreds of millions of dollars. What are you talking about? She convinces these private investors. But like, invest- what is she showing them? Like, what is she literally She's not showing them? them anything. She's telling them what it can do, but never showing them it doing it. And what? why don't they want, why don't they question her? 
Is that the thing? She convinces private investigators to give her hundreds of millions of dollars without ever looking at audited financial statements. Wait, what? Yeah. The board of the directors comes to be George Schultz, who I mentioned earlier, Henry Kissinger, the former secretary of state who describes her as, quote, ethereal. <laughs> General Mattis, formatory secretary of General Mattis, former Secretary of Defense, and called her a true revolutionary. But guys, like, have you seen it work? Nope. Then what the fuck are you talking about? We'll get into it. I think there's a thing with rich people and like, don't mind me, but Mm -hmm. but is it a politeness thing where they can't be like, no, like, I don't believe you literally show me. Um, there's a few things that people get into. It's like one, people wanted it to be true very badly. Sure. And wanted this to be this great invention. But if it were that fucking easy, why would a 20 year old be the one to do it? No, they think she's a gene. They think they people compare her to Archimedes. William Perry, a Theranos board member, was secretary of defense under President Bill Clinton. He told the New Yorker in 2014 that Miss Holmes, quote, has sometimes been called another Steve Jobs, but I think that's inadequate. She has a social consciousness that Steve never had. He was a genius. She's one with a big heart. Mm-hmm. Her being a woman, people are like, well, she's also really sweet. Right. Like, <laughs> like she's trying to save the world. Yeah. She's also Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. Right. So Tyler Schultz talks to a lot of people in this story. He is George Schultz's grandson. He first Tyler. <laughs> yeah. He first met Elizabeth when he was at his grandpa's house. Um, Because his grandpa's like, her number one fucking fan. Mm-hmm. And who else was there? Diane Feinstein. No. <laughs> she comes up again. Of all of our stories, Diane? Yeah. She's there. So he becomes he he's he wants to be in tech and like be in this industry. So he's super amped about what she's saying. And he's like, Can I be like a summer intern? Can I work for you? Whatever. So is this medical or tech? It's like both. It's both. Okay. And people do point out that she has almost no medical doctors working there. Right. Like, like she's not a medical doctor. No. So she's saying like, no, it's tech girl. Yeah. Just trust me on this. <laughs> um, Follow me on this. He says people were talking about her as if she were Beethoven, a one in a century person. She must have like whatever quality it is that like a cult leader has. Yes. She must have that. Uh huh. To yeah. make you feel really special and seen and... And trust whatever she's saying. Because she, yeah. all she does is deflect. I have the answer to whatever question you're asking. Mm-hmm. Like, deeply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Phyllis, the Stanford professor, again, says, She aligned herself with very important older men who seemed to succumb to a certain charm. And those powerful men could influence other powerful men in government, etc. Ken Aletta from The New Yorker. He interviews her for a while and does like a whole piece. So he follows her around a lot. And he notes that she only has bottled water in her fridge, calls her apartment a mattress, sleeps four hours a day, says that she's married to Theranos, only wears black clothes. So, And she says that's because she doesn't want to think about what she wears. And he says, well, you know, Steve Jobs said the same thing. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, he wore jeans. <laughs> okay, girl. She tells him that when I was seven, I had a notebook with a complete design for a time machine. So she's building this mythos about herself as right, well. Right, right, right. Yeah. So there's a um, woman named Cheryl who was a receptionist at Theranos. And she says that Elizabeth sat in on her interview because no one got hired for any role at Theranos without going through Elizabeth Holmes first. And she says her first impression of Elizabeth was that she did not blink once. What the hell? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
Dave, an engineer at Theranos, also reports that she did not blink. And in his interview, she told him very few specifics about what they actually did at the company. And when people would call her on this, she would say, I don't think we need to explain ourselves to competitive companies. She would call like revealing any information about how her the Edison worked as trade secrets. And that's why she can't talk about it. Does anybody know? No. So she she's okay. If if I'm working for Theranos or investing in it, right? Yeah. My understanding is that literally one person in the world knows how this machine works and it is her and she will not tell a soul. Kinda. And I'm willing to give her a hundred million dollars. Yeah. On that on her word. Yep. But also George Schultz is telling you too. You know what I mean? We'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> People are going to die. The Edison is basically trying to put an entire lab into a box the size of a desktop printer. Jobs in a printer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if there were doctors in a printer. Yeah. You have to automate what real life chemists are doing in a lab. So like dropping the reagents into the vial, dropping the blood into this. Yeah. It's all automated inside a tiny box off of one drop but how is of there blood. literally room for that like in people there isn't. but in people's minds you <laughs> right. know what i mean how right. are they imagining what do they imagine it looks like in there i don't know <laughs> so she's de- she, you tell me what you think it well, looks like tell, in there. explain it to me um so she <laughs> like it's like santa's workshop like, yeah it looks <laughs> kind of like that they like they have prototypes kind of so she's dancing around the idea of military contracts with the government and And in her investor meetings and in her marketing materials, she made up a quote from General Mattis about a plan to use the Edisons on wounded soldiers in combat zones. What do they need to be tested for? I don't know, but apparently they thought it'd be helpful. And that never actually happened. Um, The Pentagon wanted to run tests with the Edison before they allowed that. But Elizabeth declined to give them the chance to do so. Kendall, what is her end game? She thinks, like, fake it till you make it. Like, I'll just, I need all this money, but I will get there. Like, I will make it. I will make she it work. She thinks that one day she will make the yeah. make the Edison, and it yeah. will actually do what she's saying. I think so. God damn it. A lot of people think, like, she actually... Psych ward. She didn't start out wanting to scam people. Right. She thought she could make it work. She thought she could defy the laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> and um, that every knowledgeable person she's spoken to about it has Was said... Wrong. Yeah, like she's assuming that they're wrong. That they're not thinking big enough. And she's like the inventor. Right. But she's so arrogant Mm. that she's like, people told Steve Jobs he couldn't do it. Yeah, but like... It's also like, it's an iPhone, not someone's blood sample. Truly. And tech is like, there is no... I don't know. Tech is such an open-ended thing mm-hmm. compared to medicine. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Like there are rules. There are rules of medicine. Right. Tech exists in our little souls. <laughs> in our little souls. Tech exists in our hearts and souls. So Ken. <laughs> like, she's really crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ken from the New Yorker writes his piece about her. And says, quote, what happens inside the machine is treated as a state. Stays inside the machine. <laughs> what did I say? No, it's like what happens oh, in the machine stays, stays in, in the, the machine. machine. Yes. <laughs> what happens inside the machine is treated as a state secret. And Holmes's description of the process is comically vague. So I have his article here. So this is how she describes it. Quote, a chemistry is performed so that a chemical reaction occurs and generates a signal from the chemical interaction with the sample, which is translated into a result. 
<laughs> which is then reviewed by certified laboratory personnel. Thanks to miniaturization and automation, we are able to handle these tiny samples. A chemistry. A chemistry. And produces and translated into a result. A chemistry becomes a result. Mm-hmm. So, a little later, Sunny Balwani becomes the president and COO. What is her title? She's the founder and CEO. So she actually met him in 2002 during a trip to Beijing as part of the Stanford's Mandarin program. Holmes was 18 at the time and had just graduated from high school. Balwani was 19 years older and was married to another woman at the time. And it's unsure if they began their relationship then or if they waited till he was hired at Theranos when she was 30 and he was 49. But they did begin a sexual relationship and she was his boss. Girl. The couple moved into an apartment together. The two of them jointly ran the company with a corporate culture of secrecy and fear, (laughs) according to their employees. Their romantic relationship was kept a secret um, for much of their time running the company. So she, at this point, is becoming like she's on like the cover of Fortune magazine. She's on the cover of Time magazine. She's on GMA. Yeah. She's playing on how lay people Mm -hmm. just don't know anything about medicine. Yeah. And even the venture capitalists aren't questioning her. Where are the doctors? The docs are saying this isn't working. It has never worked. Like it will never work. (laughs) Fuck. Okay. So she's and like credibility breeds more credibility. Like she's on the fortune in the beginning. She poached a lot of people from Apple because she wanted to design the machine like to look like a fucking Apple, like an iMac. Basically. Yeah. So she takes a lot of people from apple to come work for that her she they end up a lot of them quit because they're like this isn't working this isn't a real product yeah and then like years later they see her on the cover of time and like their wives or whatever are like okay time to admit you were wrong like obviously she's got it uh-huh and they're like i don't think so <laughs> they're like i don't i think i'm right yeah i think i'm right i think i'm i think that her castle's built on sand yeah and they were right um so sh- they pitched to walgreens they say that an edison can be deployed to pharmacies across the country and eliminate the need for a lab so you could walk into your walgreens go to one of the machines prick your finger and get 200 tests done in minutes from a finger prick of capillary blood mm-hmm as opposed to vials of venous blood mm-hmm. for a fraction of the cost. And they give you like a menu and you can pick and choose all these different tests, like yeah. a la carte. It would be like so easy to stay healthy. <laughs> that's what you could her just, thing like, is. You could go once a week and get your like blood pressure tested. That's or, what she or, says. That's, that's different than blood, but, but get your like blood sugar tested. Yeah. You know blood what I mean? sugar. Check for cancers, STDs. Yeah. That's what she says. She tells Going the to the pharmacy and doing that like weekly. You yeah. Could, you could... Be so on top of your health. <laughs> That's what she pitches it as. And she says, like, I lost my uncle to skin cancer. He didn't know he had it till it turned to brain cancer. And no one should have to live with not knowing and right. like, knowing about your health as a human right. That's all the shit she says mm-hmm. at her investor meetings and at her fucking TED Talks. Right. So the machine was not able to do this at the time they pitched it, nor when they signed the contract or ever. Walgreens never was able to look at any version of the Edison. Looking at like the outside of the printer, <laughs> the box. No one like they, they never could see s- the outside. They could never see the inside. Never have it tested on them. Nothing. Where is this going to end? I'll tell you. So we'll get back to Walgreens, but um, let's talk about how the Edison is going at the lab. So to test their Edison, they had to just go get blood from random people off the street and pay them for their blood. Um, the machine would often freeze up 
and they would have to stick their hands into the black box filled with needles with blood <laughs> spilling all over the place. What? Inside the machine because their little nanotainers are cracking and the blood spilling. There's blood drying up and gunking up in the machine. There's shattered glass. The centrifuges would explode. So when they had to do demos with investors, they would prick their blood, put it in the cartridge, put it in the Edison, take them out to lunch or something. A chemist would come in, take the vials, go to an actual lab and test them, then bring them back and put them in the machine and pretend the machine did it. So some people knew this was a fucking ruse. Yeah. Yeah. They claimed that Edison could perform 200 different tests, but their lab couldn't even do half of that, let alone the Edison. They were dead set on not making the box any bigger. Their engineers are like, we have to make it bigger if we're going to make it work. And they would say, maybe you're not a Silicon Valley person. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm trying to do the like logistics of what you want. Like, like you're not, you're thinking to like, yeah, but like some people need to be doing the tangible work. Right. Like, Everything Silicon- can't be about dreams and hopes and <laughs> what could be. Yeah. <laughs> they're like Silicon Valley disrupts things. <laughs> Like, space and objects exist. Yeah. Like, some things have to literally... They say the law of thermodynamics will not allow for it. Right. And then they go and spend two hours talking about what they should name the cloud that processes the information. They ended up doing Yoda. Dumb. Do or do not, there is no try. It's written on the wall in the office. But they're not doing... No. You're dumb. I know. They're so cringy. Here's a sad story. Ian Gibbons is a very experienced scientist and he's hired by Theranos. He's an expert in blood testing and he would look at the data and point out that things are not fucking working. Mm -hmm. Like nothing is working. Yeah. And it's like weighing on him big time. Yeah, I'm sure because she's promising medical advances that would make people's lives different. And it's not She can't actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. In early 2013, Theranos tries to prevent Ian from having to testify in a patent lawsuit. So um, he gets subpoenaed. Mm-hmm. And so either he has to perjure himself on the stand by saying that the machines work, or he has to tell the truth and like get fired and sued into oblivion by Theranos. Yeah. Fuck. So he's freaking out. He's scared that it would cost him his job. He fell into a deep depression and he ended up com- completing suicide the day no. before he was scheduled to meet with Elizabeth Holmes. He worked there for 10 years, and after his death, Theranos did not reach out to his widow in any capacity except to ask her to drop off his confidential information that he held at the front desk. That is really horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I think that, like, some of this you could maybe write off as, like, getting in over her head. Yeah. And then not knowing how to back out. Right. But things like that are like, no, this is someone who was so delusional and narcissistic that like other people and what she was promising what she was putting people through to maintain her lie yeah didn't even matter to her right what the fuck yeah big heart gonna change the world right like, you're a cunt yeah and they're like putting themselves out to be like hunted you know like very cult-like of like what we're doing is so disruptive to the norm that they're they're attacking us right. like we'll always be attacked by the big Ugh. corporations because we're de- we're ruining their business model yeah yeah, like we're disruptors. Yeah, yeah. So like they have full-time bodyguards. Um, she has four personal bodyguards herself. Oh she has bulletproof glass in her desk or like in her office. What What's coming for them? People say she walks around like she's like the president. The security at their office calls them Eagle One and Eagle Two and make sure they are holding the doors open by the time they're walking through them. Uh-huh. 
So that's that. So they don't get like assassinated. Right. Because they're changing the world. You're just trying to hide from the truth. Hun. Right. They would track all key card activity in the building. They would monitor emails and keystrokes. They would make everyone sign NDAs and people couldn't tell their families what they were doing. Every team worked so separately. What are they doing? <laughs> That's the thing. So every team worked so separately that no one ever knew what anyone else was doing. Okay. So they couldn't talk to each other. And so they wouldn't know like what problem the engineering team was having so like the lab people think well the engineering team made the box that works but we have to figure out the lab or yeah vice versa it is like uh when crimes happen in different jurisdictions yes <laughs> so like they can't talk yeah yeah erica chung it was a lab associate there and she talks about how she would send emails and not cc sunny or anyone on them but would get a reply from sunny they're monitoring all their emails ew ew yuck they would monitor the emails of the receptionist please what is she saying your meeting changed to two right no offense to her i've been her right so back into to walgreens 2013 they begin testing real patients in walgreen locations in arizona the edisons have had many issues and were not approved by regulators for in-store testing yet so elizabeth convinced walgreens to launch the health centers without the actual machines yet so samples would be sent to palo alto where theranos had constructed an actual a real lab. lab. Yes. They she were, was just a lab company. They were FedExing blood samples. Yeah. So the Walgreens launched gained $400 million in investments from the Walton family, Betsy DeVos and Rupert Murdoch. There's a problem. A lot of states require a doctor's prescription for lab tests. So Holmes lobbied the state of Arizona to pass a law that allows patients to order their own blood tests without doctor's input. It passes. She lobbied Arizona itself. Yeah, she. there's testimony of her like in the state legislature, and one of the legislators goes, Miss Holmes, you are magnificent. <laughs> so Theranos starts giving um, vouchers to people and selling gift cards so people can buy like their mom a gift card to go get their blood drawn. How much does it cost? Like Very bucks? cheap. Like If you wanted like a herpes test, it's like $5. A woman goes to one of the Arizona clinics. Because she is a breast cancer survivor. And she says, like, you know, once you're a cancer patient, you're kind of always a cancer patient. So you always kind of have to get your blood drawn pretty often yeah. um, to make sure it's not coming back. And she's like, getting my blood drawn often, like, kind of sucks. So I was like, this would be awesome if I could just sure. go get my finger prick. So she goes to Arizona, finger pr- gets a finger prick test at a Walgreens through the Theranos lab. And she gets her results. And it shows that her estrogen is off the charts, which... She calls her doctor and her doctor says, that means there's lo- most likely a tumor yeah, back. Fuck, yeah. So she's freaking out for a week, thinking that her, cam- her cancer has come back. She gets tests done at her regular lab, completely normal, does not have a cancer resurgence. The lab is off by a lot for a lot of people. So even the lab is wrong. Even the, the like... <laughs> Real chemists are wrong. So the, the Edison is the front... The lab is what they're actually doing. And uh-huh. even the lab is shitty. Yes. Fuck off. Yes. So John Carey Rue from the Wall Street Journal gets a call from a source that there is a lab director who just left Theranos on bad terms because he was concerned about the practices he saw there. Yeah. I'm sure that happened a lot to them. Yeah. 
He was terrified because he was being hounded by Theranos's famous lawyer, David Boies, who represented Al Gore in the 2000 presidential election recount. And he would later go on to represent Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. This sounds like fucking Scientology. Yes. So the lab guy says that Edison can only do a few tests and that all others were done on commercially available machines purchased from other companies. So like the two, the two big lab machines that they're uh-huh. trying to fight against, they bought them and are do- running tests with them, claiming it's their own. Okay. They're also lying about the accuracy and reliability of the blood tests. Doi. So this journalist goes to Arizona to try out a test for himself. He gets there. And they tell him, they come at him with like a needle and a tourniquet. And he's like, wait, what? I thought this was a finger prick. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, um, your order actually requi- requires a venous draw and not a finger prick. And this is exclusively how they ran it. They were never able to do it with a finger prick. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. Um, so Ken Aletta, again, interviews Elizabeth about um, why this is kind of happening. Like, why are they having to do venous draws? And she's vacillating and saying that they're at 99% ability to do capillary blood from a fingertip. And within a year, it'll be 100%. So don't worry. But already we're like, so you've been lying a little bit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, the lawyers, like, she just does that shit. Wow. Yeah. Trade secret. People who can, like, dance around the truth are frightening. Yeah. She says, like, you're asking Coke to give away their Coke recipe is, like, what she says it as. Yeah, but I... Coke is on the shelves. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I drink Coke. So, people who are working at Theranos are like, this is fucked up. So, if they want to use their little nanotainers, they had to... <laughs> their little nanotainers. <laughs> they, like, their little nanotainers that, that contained a drop of blood. Mm-hmm. And to run their tests on them using other companies' machines, they had to dilute the blood to make it go long. You know what I mean? It's not enough blood. Oh, because other companies are machines are made for a vial of blood, not right. a drop of blood. Right. So they'd have to dilute blood. So it's not even real anymore. So the tests are wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's also breaking the operating procedure of these machines, which is a big deal because it's testing people for potentially fatal diseases. Yeah. The machines are made to test a vial of blood, not a vial of water and blood. Right. So t- some tests are so far off that lab techs would have to call patients and tell them to immediately go to the emergency room. What? Some because oh, they're like, according to this, this you're, you're dead. dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, according to your blood, you don't exist. Yeah. So there, there are stories of nanotainers falling off your desk and getting lost, like because they're so fucking small. You you drop one, you can't find it again. What the hell? Tyler Schultz worked specifically on the syphilis test and he says that was broken he said if a hundred if a hundred people who had syphilis were tested with their tests 65 of them would be told they had it and 35 would be told they were fine he said quote if people are testing themselves for syphilis using theranos there's going to be a lot more syphilis in the world got it (laughs) right results are not matching up with other labs bottom line so erica the lab associate goes to Sonny's office one day and says, um, why aren't we telling patients when we make a mistake or give false results? Mm-hmm. And he says, what makes you think you're qualified to make that call? The call for what? That's not a call. Right. And he's like, just go away and shut up. <laughs> go away and shut up. <laughs> go away and shut up. <laughs> uh, Tyler also talks about how it was like there was a carpet 
a carpet world and a tile world. Like you would walk out into the carpet world where they're like talking to the investors and the marketing and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then you go into the tile world where there's blood everywhere. All the tests are fucked up. And you're like, wait, what? And you're killing people. Yeah. Like he's like, like, say someone does have a disease or something yeah. and you, your shit comes back saying they don't have it. Right. You tell them, don't worry, you don't have cancer. And they fucking do. Or syphilis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going to kill people. Yes. So he's like, I would be in the tile world seeing all these problems. And he's like, and then I'd go talk to her for 10 minutes and I'd be like motivated again and yeah. be like, we're doing it. We are changing what the world. What is she doing to people? I don't know. Does she have like, was she affected by a meteor? Like, does she have <laughs> a power? I don't know. So they need FDA approval, but they were not submitting full applications to the FDA. So they couldn't get it. What do you mean? Not a full application. They were just like sending half shit, like weird stuff. Because they know they wouldn't be able to pass. Yeah, but like, I mean, I'm sure it's people all along the way being like, oh, you forgot to fill this out. Yeah, and they're like, oh, really? Take another six months. You know sure. what I mean? So the, their lab in Palo Alto was regulated by an agency called CMS. And Theranos only gave this agency data from their third party machines. Never gave them any data from their actual Edison machines. Yep, got it. Erica points out that like, so that meant that we knew the Edison tests were unreliable. Yeah. So we were not reporting that data to the federal agency, but we were reporting it to patients. Insane. What Unconscionable. The fuck? Unconscionable. So Tyler Schultz has had enough and he resigns. And he I've goes, had enough. I resign. He goes and talks to his grandpa and his grandpa says he believes Elizabeth quote. They're trying to convince me that you're stupid. They can't convince me of that, but they can convince me that you're wrong. That's what he told his who? grandson. So he's not even considering the fact that she might be lying. But you don't even know her. Mm -mm. John Carreyrou from the Wall Street Journal reaches out to Tyler and is like, do you want to, like, I know you just quit. Like, do you want to talk to me about this? And he does. He starts talking to him, like, anonymously about what's yeah, going on at like, the lab. yell all day if I were involved in shit like that. But their lawyers, we'll get into it. John sends an email to Theranos to, like, follow up on these claims. But... In his email, he puts a specific number that Tyler had previously used in an email sent to Elizabeth. So she knows. So they know it's him. He goes to dinner at his parents' house one night and they say, have you been talking to a Wall Street Journal reporter? And Tyler's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they know. He goes to see his grandpa and his grandpa, George Schultz, says, Elizabeth told me you have been giving away trade secrets to the Wall Street Journal. Come to my house tomorrow morning and we'll figure it out. Tyler goes there, and there are two Theranos attorneys there. They serve him with a temporary restraining order, a notice to appear in court in 36 hours, and, like, a threatening letter, letter from David Boyce, that their scary attorney. Right. The grandpa goes, like, back and forth between the two camps, and they, like, joke, it's, like, like a secretary of state, because that's what he was. Fuck you, grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Overall, his parents end up spending half a million dollars in legal fees. Erica also leaves Theranos and talks to John from the Wall Street Journal. She gets a new job. And one day, there is a guy waiting in the parking lot all day while she's at work. Her co-workers are like, this is creepy. Like, we've noticed this. Like, can we walk you to your yeah. car? They walk her to her car and he comes out and hands her a letter, like serves her. Mm -hmm. um, and it's from David Boyce. Um, she talks to a lawyer and the, the lawyer suggests that she becomes a whistleblower to give her some like immunity. Because if, if you're a whistleblower, you like reach, a, reach out to an agency like you're protected. Yeah. We'll leave that for a minute. So in 2015, the FDA finally clears one rarely used herpes test to be run on an Edison prototype. 
and they throw the lamest, dumbest, cringiest party at the Theranos office for this one test. And they're like, we got FDA clearance. And it's like, you got FDA clearance on one rarely used herpes test but go off they're dancing to like can't touch this it like it is it is really bad at this point walgreens halts the rollout of more centers and this is when the wall street journal article comes out they tell their employees it's all lies um and not to believe it the article outing them is a nothing yeah all right so after the article comes out (laughs) the fda ends up banning the use of the nanotainer and ending all finger stick tests at walgreens CMS, the agency that oversaw their lab, did a surprise inspection and found that the testing was so inaccurate that it posed a threat to patient safety and revoked the lab's license to operate. The letter that prompted them to act came from Erica. Who's Erica? (laughs) The lab associate who became a whistleblower. Oh, good. Shortly after this news broke, Elizabeth Holmes goes to a Wall Street Journal technology conference that she had been booked to go to over a year earlier. She goes and is obviously asked about all this and just flatly lies. She says, we have never used commercial lab equipment for any finger stick tests. That's patently not true. Mm -hmm. By 2017, Theranos had spent almost all of their $900 million. $300 million went to legal fees to settle lawsuits from investors and to refund every Arizona patient. Henry Kissinger, George Schultz, and David Boyes ended up resigning from the board, and Holmes broke up with Sonny and fired him. (laughs) Theranos officially dissolved in 2018, and Sonny and Holmes were charged with conspiracy and fraud. On June 15, 2018, following an investigation, um, a federal grand jury indicted Holmes and Ramesh Sonny Balwani on nine counts of wire fraud, two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and something else. What's wire fraud, Kendall? It's like it's like money, like taking money on as a fraud. Like wire transfer, yeah. I think. So what, they were trying to get money before they before it all ended. Well, no, they like they lied to investors. Like they got 900 million dollars based oh, on Oh, you on got fraud. money, but it was fraudulent. Yeah. Okay. Both pleaded not guilty. Prosecutors allege that Holmes and Sonny engaged in two criminal schemes. One to defraud investors and the other to defraud doctors and patients. Yeah, dude. After the indictment was issued, Holmes stepped down as CEO, but remained chair of the board. And then it dissolved. The board of what? Yeah, it dissolved. Yeah. In early 2019, Holmes became engaged to Billy Evans, a 27-year-old heir to the Evans Hotels. How does she do it? I don't know. In mid-2019, Holmes and Evans reportedly married in a private ceremony, but they neither of them had publicly confirmed that. So they're often referred just as partners. Um, they live in San Francisco together, and she gave birth to a son in July 2021. The criminal trial of Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah, shouldn't she be in jail? <laughs> we'll get to it. The criminal. <laughs> She's like in San Francisco having a good time. <laughs> the criminal trial of Elizabeth Holmes was held on August 31st, 2021, after being delayed for over a year due to the COVID-19 pandemic and her pregnancy. She testified in self-defense for seven days, claiming that she was misled by her staff about the technology. Fuck you. They were trying to tell you the whole time. You mm-hmm. wouldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. And that her ex-romantic partner, Sunny, who's also facing trial, held influence over her during their, during their romantic relationship, um, which was ongoing when the criminal acts happened. The case's evidence outlined Holmes's role in faked demonstrations, mm-hmm. falsified reports, mm-hmm. misleading claims about contracts, and overstated financials. Yeah, you lied to everyone every day. Yeah. 
Yeah. So she about yeah. like medical issues. <laughs> so during the trial, some funny things came out. A handwritten memo from Holmes, which well, I guess was like in her apartment, says 4 a.m. Rise and thank God. Okay. Exercise, meditation, prayer, breakfast, whey and banana spelled B-A-N-N-A-N-N-A. <laughs> That's too many ends, huh? Yeah. <laughs> By 645, she would be in the office. It's horrible. Doing Qu- what? I don't know. God, ima- Lying, like- avoiding emails. <laughs> Literally like having an ulcer the Her whole time. eyes br- <laughs> wide open. Kendall, if you tried to run a scheme like that, how quickly would you be in the hospital with an ulcer? <laughs> she think- I don't know what's wrong with her. My heart would give out. I think it's the privilege of being like, I actually deserve this. Yeah, the opposite of imposter syndrome. Yes, you're right. Like, I deserve this. And, like, even if I don't have it right now, I just need this money and it will happen soon enough. No, I I would... My body would give out. Yeah, I don't know how she... I mean... Quote, I am never a minute late. I show no excitement. All about business. I am not impulsive. I know the outcome of every encounter. I do not hesitate. I constantly make decisions and change them as needed. I speak rarely. I call bullshit immediately. <laughs> they also show a lot of her emails. I mean, her text messages with Sunny, and they're embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm going to find them. Okay. Here are some interesting texts. This is from Sunny. When your family is here, I feel lonely because you spend a total of 10 seconds with me a day. She says, I tried so hard to engage you. You had no interest. He says, don't try to engage with me next time. Seems like it won't work. Damn. He sounds like a baby. This is what another text from her. My new life as of this night and forevermore. Total confidence in myself. Best business person of the year. Focus. Details. Excellent. Don't give what anyone thinks. Engage employees in meetings by stories and making it about them. I.e. prepare well. 10 minutes later, she texts no response. And then after that, he says, awesome. You are listening and paying attention. What the fuck am I here? Like, what is the dynamic here? I don't know. Here's more. She says, I'm sorry I wasn't stronger for you this morning. That is my responsibility and my role. I will never let that happen again. He says, I am strong enough for me and you and then some. I don't need you to be strong for me. She replies, I... What are you talking about, though? Like, they're very us against the world. something. Nobody's talking right now. Like, you're... What's the cartoon where, like... Charlie something where he his teachers Charlie talk, Brown Charlie Brown his teachers talking Holmes replies I have the privilege of being able to calm you as a mother energy no somebody taught her manifestation but they didn't know that she was like a girl boss <laughs> she girl boss too close to the sun <laughs> my job is to love you when you're stressed he texts her one day you are speaking with everyone in your giddy voice excessive use of awesome she replies thank you thank you he texts her oh, I so ha- he's telling her like drop your pitch yeah and don't talk like a girl and don't say awesome too much she's like thank you thank you thank you he- thank you <laughs> he texts her i have molded you ew he texts her again you are rambling let's stay focused oh fuck you oh you are rambling let's stay focused oh my god in one message <laughs> mr balwani wrote miss holmes love you I prayed from the bottom of my heart for you. I have never prayed with this intensity in my life for anything. She responds with, I love this, my nirvana. 
In another exchange, he says, you are God's tigress and warrior. You are extraordinary. She says, coming from my tiger means the whole universe to me. I love you. Oh, no. He says, I worship you. Be yourself. Ew. The word love appears 594 times in their collection of text messages. We fucking get it. Mm-hmm. But so her defense is that he abused her into being a scammer. Right. She's thanking him every time he every time he uh, her. criticizes her. Yeah. yeah. Like she's so into it and so in on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's encouraging you to do bad shit, which is crazy on him. Right. Like, he should certainly go to jail as well. But um, your partner is for sure. So here's an excerpt that I find particularly funny. She says, you are the breeze in the desert for me. I need to shut the fuck up. My water and ocean meant to be only together tiger. He responds, okay. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. On January 3rd, 2022, (laughs) Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty on four counts of defrauding investors, three counts of wire fraud, and one of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. She was found not guilty on four counts of defrauding patients, three counts of wire fraud, and one of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. The jury returned a no verdict on three counts of wire fraud against investors. The judge declared a mistrial on those counts, and the government soon after agreed to just dismiss them. Holmes is awaiting sentencing while remaining at liberty on a $500,000 bail. She faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and uh, a fine of $250,000 plus restitution for each count of wire fraud and each conspiracy count. The sentences would likely be served concurrently, therefore an effective maximum of 20 years total, and her sentencing is scheduled for September 2022. And Sunny goes on trial next week. Wow. (sighs) Fingers crossed. And there's a Hulu show with Amanda Seyfried playing her coming out tomorrow. I love her. Yeah. And I think there's going to be like a movie too with someone else playing her. Okay, I'll engage with that. So, um, should we end it in our Elizabeth Holmes voice? Hi, everyone. Hi. Yeah, I can't believe how far you can get just off of like a family name or whatever. And um, evil manifestation? And manifestation. I think she manifested it. Okay. Like, what TikTok did she watch? And then she like launched a... a- well, that's the thing. She just says, like, my parents told me I could do anything I wanted. Oh, bitch. She's like, I was never told I couldn't do anything. So she fully took that to heart. Yeah. And it was like, I'll, um, the thing that this makes me so mad is like, if it was possible, wouldn't have someone had done it already? Completely. Like a doctor. Yeah. Like, fuck. If I were a doctor, I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, you're lying, bitch. This can't be done. Yeah. Scary. Weird. Weirdo shit for sure. Yeah. Well, like, feel free to, uh, feel free to absorb this. (laughs) Feel free to absorb this information. That was good. She, she also kind of sounds like Kristen Cavallari on Laguna Beach. Like, but deeper. Deeper. But yeah, but like the like Feel free to absorb this information. That's good. <laughs> feel free to share the information. As for where you heard it, tell no one. Bye.